Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. Live from Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical center. This is Your Health First, the most beneficial health program on radio with Dr. Joe Galati. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Well, good Sunday evening, everybody, and a happy Easter. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m., you will find me here live bringing everybody the best in health and wellness and making you better consumers of health care. Week after week, that is what we talk about. I mean it. My team means it. And the knowledge we share with all of you goes a long way to keeping you well, healthy, out of the doctor's office now, In this era of corona, COVID-19, certainly everybody is very, very anxious about their health, and I'm going to get to that a little later. But for the time being, tonight, Easter Sunday evening, we're here. Hope you all had a great day with your family, and like most of us, caught some kind of service online, on the TV, YouTube, whatever it may be. Now, if you want to reach me, drjoegalati.com, drjoegalati.com, you can send me an email, a message, connect with all of our social media, drjoegalati.com. And in this era of telemedicine, and and as I've been talking for weeks now, we have converted our practice into 100% telemedicine. Basically, we can connect with anybody anywhere in the country if you've got any liver or digestive issues, need a second opinion, you can go to drjoegalati.com and send me a message and I will get you into the right staff on my team. All right, so uh, tonight, Brian Kilmeade from Fox News Channel is coming on. And uh, Brian is an amazing person. He is the host of Fox and Friends Monday through Friday. He has a radio program Monday through Friday. He does. uh, He is a New York Times bestselling author. And, um, you know, it's the old saying, if you want something done, give it to the busiest guy. And I believe that's where Brian fits in. Lots of contributions to very different facets of our life. And then at the end, we have Edward Lawrence from Fox Business Network coming on, giving us an update as to what's happening on Wall Street. And so, yes, COVID-19 is a medical problem. It's a virus. It's a pandemic. But we have to try to connect all of the other social aspects together. And uh, that's what we're here for. All right. So uh, for the first um, 
thing I want to chat about, there was an article that I saw the other day by Jane Brody in the New York Times in the health section. And the headline is using shelter in place time to foster better family food habits. Now, this is I I have been discussing this since all of this shelter in place started, because these are opportunities for us to reflect on how we are eating, how our family is eating. And what she goes on to say is that with all of this COVID-19 crisis, people are limiting the amount of restaurant time, limiting supermarket ventures, and prompting more home cooking, which you would think would result in better eating habits. And from the patients that I have spoken to, my own, my own people, Yes, indeed, they are now. It's almost a novel thing. Hey, we're cooking at home. Well, gosh, that's something I've been talking about for decades, that we need to cook more at home. And the hope is, the hope is that by cooking at home, eating at home, not making all of these runs to the restaurant, takeout, going to the supermarket six days a week and buying junk food, You are going to cut down on chronic illness and promote longevity. So the chronic illnesses, you should all know by heart. It is obesity. It is hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, chronic kidney disease, heart disease, stroke, cancer. My favorite, liver disease, fatty liver cirrhosis. So all of these Chronic illnesses are rooted in bad eating habits. We've talked about this before. And so the reason, and and what Jane Brody does is she, she relates to some recent studies that are showing there, there has been a slight trend in better nutrition in children. But the one thing that has not gotten better, and actually it's getting worse, is childhood obesity. And they are still consuming snacks. I think if there was one thing, it's not enough vegetables and too many snacks. That is what is really leading this freight train of chronic disease. And the reality is shortened life expectancy in children. And so I think we all have to look at this time together. We still have several more weeks of this, I think. And we have to double down and and look at ourselves to say, are we eating at home? There are those that are eating junk food out of anxiety and depression, and and they're bummed out about all of this. They are resorting to to junk food, which which is no good either, and alcohol. That's a whole other subject. But this near isolation is forcing us to try to eat better. And so, as you know, one area that's very near and dear to me is bringing back home economics. We need to teach our kids how to cook and how to shop and prepare meals. And it's, it's all in the book that I wrote, Eating Yourself Sick. A lot of people did not like—I wouldn't say a lot of people didn't like the title— a lot of people looked at it and they said, really, eating yourself sick? It's a little bit of a downer. 
But it is the truth. We are eating ourselves sick. And it's a wake-up call. So what I'm going to do is take a break. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. You're tuned in to Your Health First. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Raising your health IQ one listener at a time. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Thanks very much for tuning in on this Easter Sunday evening. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com to sign up for our newsletter and message me and stay in touch with the program. All right. Well, as I had said earlier, it is a great pleasure to have Brian Kilmeade on the radio tonight. Brian, thank you very much for coming on this evening. Uh, no problem. Appreciate you having me. All righty. Well, Brian, you know, we both grew up on Long Island, and I made it to Texas 25 years ago, but I was looking at a video that you had posted, How I Became the Man I Am Today from last November, and I sent it around to the students that I'm mentoring. It is a great short video on life lessons and uh, just a wonderful story about your your life and upbringing. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was interesting because they took that from one of these live shows that we do. Uh-huh. I have a chance to talk about it in my history books, and especially in full blast with the Sam Houston book, which everyone in your audience probably can relate to. Sam Absolutely. Houston, the Alamo Avengers, Texas victory that changed American history. So I always start off with, okay, you know, this is how I started. This is where I get there to kind of like get, under, get people to understand that – I'm not um, coming down from the mighty New York to tell you people about <laughs> where life should be. I want people to understand everything, uh, how much I'm like them. I feel as though they listen better because I don't consider myself above them. I just have a passion for the country and for history. And it was extremely unlikely for me to ever to be in front of an audience explaining that. Right. So in order to give, my, give people relevance to who I am, I thought I'd start that way. Oh, I think it is. And and knowing who the person that is speaking to them always makes it all the more relevant. And, and it's a very, very nice story that I shared. So, so Brian, in this COVID-19 era that we're all living, first, how, how are you and your family doing? And how are you coping with it, with your kids and work? And how, how is that working out for you? I think like everybody listening, everybody listening, I've never had an issue, including 9-11, um, outside elections, when everyone's on the same page. Even sometimes you walk up to people and you tell them a, you vote today's election day, and they don't right. even know who's running. It always astounds me. But there's nobody that could tell you, uh, why, you know, what's changed. Why are we at home? Why is your job different? Everybody uh, in 190 countries knows what's going on. I, in my lifetime— because I was around during World War II, I never remember anything close to this. Right. So for me personally, I'm probably the luckiest person because they told me not to go into Manhattan. If anyone's familiar, you are, with Long Island. Right. I go to travel, and that's 15 minutes. And now I sit there for six hours now. I mean, I do, I, I'm usually moving around 15th floor, first floor, second floor of the, of the studio. Right. I mean, it's like a marathon, a walking marathon. And 15th floor is radio, 21st floor is my office, first floor. Now I sit in this small room with uh, one person for six hours, oh. and and I get to go home. But I'm not complaining. I'm telling you, it is like a dramatically different situation. And 
can you imagine having a partner where you thrive on like playing off what they say, but you can't? Right. So you just have to stay with what you're going to say. Like they literally have to tell us whose turn it is to talk next. And I'm not believe me, I'm not complaining. Right. But the reason why the show is so basic and un, not non spontaneous, right, is because Steve's got a two second delay. I got a one point one second delay. Ainsley's at Sean Hannity's house, and he's she's got a one second delay. So literally. If we decide to capitalize on what each other's saying uh, without being called on, it sounds like chaotic. Yeah. And it still sounds a little chaotic. So the show's dramatically, I think, dramatically, uh, it's raw, to be honest. Yeah. The yeah. radio show is great. I mean, I, I feel like radio is easy. You stand up, you stream it on Fox Nation, you talk for three hours, you open up the phone, you read the emails. And that to me is totally intriguing. But, you know, there's very little movement. There's no guests coming in. There's no uh, there's no board up to talk to. Just a person in your ear. It's a dramatic difference. Like a lot of people listen to us now work at home, and they go, "Yeah, it's kind of great." But the other thing is, it's kind of weird because I don't go out to lunch with anybody. I don't really see anybody. I have no idea what kind of job I'm doing. Yeah. You know, the Zoom calls are stilted, and you can't really feel natural. So everybody's life's different. So for me, I'm I'm 99 better than almost everybody listening. Yeah, so I'm I, very I, fortunate. Yeah, I mean, we're we're doing 100% telemedicine from my one of the upstairs bedrooms and on my iPhone, my number of steps in a typical day is probably about 5 to 8,000 without doing any yeah. extra exercise. Here it's like 300. And I'm like, "My god, I mean, we're we're just I, not moving. It's crazy." I I think some things will change. I mean, I I could see kids at home uh, I could see more and more school districts that are not economically distressed right. saying, hey, you know those two days when you get a fever, you feel fine, but you can't go to school yet? Right. Uh, you could probably sit there and you know start streaming those classes. Right? Oh, oh exactly. I, mean, I think that people are going to realize how dexterous their, their lives are, work is. So I think we're gonna, that, that's going to be a good thing. I think a lot of people are going to choose to do homeschool for, uh, or uh, online school for college because my daughter's home from school and she's a freshman. So everything's so new to her, but she literally sits in a room. She does the same thing, only she doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Her class schedule is the exact same. And maybe some people say, you know, maybe I want to get sold my career early. You know, maybe I want to get a job and just do this at night. Right. It's feasible. But, I mean, the thing about college, you lose that social aspect. Right. I think things are really, as we come out of this, a lot of people are going to reevaluate a lot of things. Oh, I think there's going to be, as horrible as this is, there are definitely going to be uh, winners. Now, with the programming for a show like Fox and Friends. It to me when during the weekdays when I'm able to catch uh, a few minutes here and there, it seems to be a hundred percent COVID. Um, is 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 that is that based on what the people want or the story is so big that if we start talking about something else, people are going to tune out? What what's the sort of the philosophy there? Well, I mean, we uh, I just don't even think it's a it's even a thought about changing gears in that. Except for, you know, the tornadoes that are hitting Arkansas and, and parts of Texas, I guess, the weather, would that be right. a big thing? We'll, right. we'll cover that. But, um, you know, if uh, China was to invade Taiwan, we'd cover that. Yes. Um, North Korea's end of a rocket, we'd cover that, but we kind of put it into news. But when it comes to – there's so many elements to this. For example, um, the small business owners listening to us right now, they're sure. frustrated. 99% of them are frustrated. They go in, they fill this application. Are they going to be able to get a loan? If they get a loan, does 75% really go to payroll? Do you right. know what my rent is? Right. And number two, the other people listening to us say, you know, I've been laid off. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get unemployment. 
I can't get through in Louisiana. It's a nightmare. In New York, it's not much better. What about you? I'm sure no yeah. system's equipped for this. So, okay, you got that relevance. Then you have, what are you doing at home? How's homeschooling going? Interview with teachers, interview some students, find out how it's going. Then you talk about the economic distress of the country. What's it going to take to bring us back? I mean, I've just given you an hour of shows. Exactly. And you have lawmakers who have to decide if they're going to finance the fourth rescue bill. And now I got, you know, Chris Coons coming on one, uh, Tom Cotton coming on right after. So have I changed topics? No, but listen to how we're surrounding it. Yeah, no, that's true. I think anything else would be a snooze if you start talking about the lost dog uh, in in Omaha somewhere. So, um, you know, the the political rhetoric, it it almost seems as if a lot of the battling has has quieted down, though. I in looking this weekend, it looks like a lot of um, a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork to say we should have done more earlier starting to point fingers. Do you think this is we're going to see more of this or people are going to lay low until we really get out of the major uh, crisis here? Mm, I would say, I mean, I see it every other day. If you look to CNN, they can't go five minutes without blaming Trump. Right. Literally, they can't. Right. And even if they talk to somebody, a nurse that's worked uh, two 12-hour uh, shifts, right. somehow it'll be Donald Trump's fault. Right. Um you know, just like I, you know, it took a while for them to blame George Bush, but they did have a 9-11 committee that talked about that August uh, presidential briefing where he said bin Laden determined to, to attack right. the U.S. homeland, which, by the way, he always was. Right. Uh, but then people would go, hey, we're going to go back to Clinton. What was he doing after the U.S. has cold nothing? Uh, was he trying to distract after the impeachment? I think I think it's clear. If anybody is going to try to impeach any sitting president for any stupid reason, they really better uh, it, they better just stop in their tracks right. because it's such a distraction for the country. Bin Laden was able to uh, to really marshal his uh, his troops and pull off the 9/11 attack and so many more while Clinton was being impeached. Right. Think about the dissent. By the way, the, the Al Qaeda attack never even came up in the debates with Bush and Gore. Right. Everyone thought no one thought Al Qaeda was an issue. One week before it was Sanders Biden. Um, uh, debate. Right. Do you know the week before the last interview, the three weeks prior, they didn't even bring up uh, the pandemic and this, uh, you know, this Chinese virus. So nobody saw this coming except for, I mean, there was people that would say, I oh, were worried about this. Okay. But, and in retrospect, the perfect world, should Trump have acted sooner? I mean, they chronicled that Azar came in, said this could be bad. Right. But then I apply, I play this on the radio show. Fauci came out the end of January, and said, what's happening in China is not going to affect us here. Exactly. And he said something very similar the second week in February. So, I mean, we got to put it in perspective. You see what you want to see. You hear what you want to hear. Yeah. No, no, no. It, this, is, this is such a monumental problem to think that one person uh, controlled all the dialogue is, is a little rough. Brian, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll bring you right back. Uh, talking with Dr., uh, Dr. Kilmeade. Yes, I'll call him Dr. Brian Kilmeade. I'm Dr. Joe Galati with Brian Kilmeade. We will be back in a second. Thank you very much. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this Easter Sunday evening. Hope you're all doing well and that COVID-19 has not affected you too badly. Don't forget, go to drjoegalati.com. All right, let's get back to Brian Kilmeade. He has a little bit of a tight wire tonight, and we have to get him off 
by 40 after. So we're going to work to get you off the phone there, Brian. Um, um, the one thing to chat about here is the uh, the president came out and had some optimistic goals of opening things up by Easter and we're going to get back to sports and try to open up the country. And I, you know, looking at me as a physician, and if you look at him as the, yes, he's the chief executive, but sort of the, uh, the, the cheerleader for the country <clears throat> to keep everybody on a good mood. I think you need to have some sense of optimism that let's try to open up in the next few weeks. Let's try it. It may not work, but we have to. And the same I would do with a, with a patient. If I knew that they weren't going to do well, I don't think you're lying. You're just trying to say, look, let's try this <clears throat> and see what happens. What, what do you think? I think you're right. I, but I would say this. I need to see the numbers. Tell me, tell me what I need to do. Okay, we need to have so many testing. Okay, we need to see tracing. All right, fine. Right. But we need to see medical personnel with the rapid test. Uh, what does it look like? And, and what are the regions we're looking at? You know, where are the areas we're looking at the closest? You know, certain counties in New York, certain right. counties in Minnesota, certain counties in Texas. And, and you tell me we're going to do it, right? So you just tell me what we're looking for, what we can do. So I need to see a light at the end of the tunnel, not like let's hope for the spring and hope for the best. At this point, we're so well-educated on what we don't have and what we do have. And we do see things, like in New York, that ship does really not has 20 people on it. Right. Uh, the Javits Center, the makeshift, has, has about 100, if not less. We basically just used the doctors off all that backup. And we didn't need, the, we didn't need all those ventilators. And Oregon didn't need the ventilators. And California sent the ventilators back. And, you know, we know Pennsylvania is moving up. And Michigan's number three. And there's going to be different areas we want to hit. But we also saw the Washington State modeler come out on Friday and say the worst is over. All right. The worst is over. We think it's going to get better from here from what we see. Now, those models have been off, but um, they're the only thing we have. I'm not looking to criticize people. There's enough of that. Yeah. I'm not smart enough to criticize those models. I, I don't do it for a living. Yeah. But they said this is what we're going on. This is what we fed in, and now we believe the worst is over. So what I think he's got to do uh, on Monday or Tuesday is just say, when I can get to my these rapid tests and I could flood the zones, I'm going to start opening up counties with consultation with the mayors and governors. It's going to ultimately be their call. We'll make the recommendations. And then when we do within those counties, your county, my county, when it comes to 100 seat restaurants, uh, start asking restaurants to seat 50 and do multiple seating, uh, bars to have the spacing and the, the capacity. We'll be walking into a monitor. So I think we need to see what it looks like. At the same time, let the doctors like you and let the scientists right. and let them work on their path. And along the way, we're going to hear about uh, hydroxychloroquine. We're going to hear about remdesivir, and it's going to be working more and more. Maybe see another concoction come out of France, and then we're going to see people getting better and people realizing already ventilators aren't the way to go. It looks like oxygen is in many of these cases. So things are going to change. Things are going to get better, and at the same time, I'm thoroughly in belief that we're going to have a vaccine soon. So having said that, while we work on these paths, tell us the multiple paths you're working on. I don't want to hear how many ventilators, how much many masks you have. I want to know what path I'm on to get out of this. Right. And if it takes till the end of May, at least I know. I, I'm every day. We're not, we're not up to 750,000 tests a day. Therefore, uh, Memorial Day is going to be as, 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 um, as desolate 
as Easter. I doubt it's going to be, but yeah. No, I think the next the next big thing, and you're right, the vaccine, hydroxychloroquine, all of these other concoctions are going to be coming out. The next big step, I think, is going to be the mass testing to find out who's been exposed and who's immune, yeah. and that's going to change all the metrics of how how deadly this this virus is. Because if we found that that a lot of people have had it and are fine then the numerator, the number of people that die, is going to be uh, much smaller. Last, last question here, and this sort of ties into uh, what we were just saying. There are those out there that are saying this is the new norm. No handshaking, no, no hugging. Uh, you're going to go to a baseball game, and it's going to be every other seat. Um, I, I just don't think that's good for the psyche. Again, you don't want to rush into it too quickly, but we have to see that we are going to get back to normal. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll put it this way. Just give us a vaccine. We are very well educated. We're every on a nation. We ate it. We know eighty percent more about hygiene and cleanliness now via virus transfers. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if you're a truck driver or you're a nuclear scientist. So now we're all going to be aware of that. I think it's going to come back gradually. We'll be cognizant of it, and <clears throat> I think we'll be smarter from it. But if you tell me uh, we can get baseball going again, if we can only fill in a thirty-five thousand seat stadium, you could only fill it up with seven. 7,000 initially until we get that vaccine sure, going, sure. or 12. And, you know, I'm, I'm able to buy two tickets together, but the rest got to be three seats apart. I'm fine with that. You know, you, well, we, we get it. We know the alternative. It sucks. So if you tell us, to go, I can go to a Ranger game or a Dodger game. <laughs> right. If there's only going to be 10,000 seats sold at a different time and, you know, these are going to be the cost, we're, in, we're, we're game because the alternative is nothing. It is. Nothing on television. No new TV shows, no sporting events, no drama. We're all waiting for the Michael Jordan series to start next Sunday. Right. Not good. So if you got to go to church, you're going to go to church, and you have to space your pews, right. space seating in pews, and stand social distancing, and maybe you got to have more masses. Unless we're into it. We got it. We're mature. Our whole lives, we don't sit there, and we're not going to sit there, in, especially in Texas, where Texas adapts to anything and blames almost no one by, <laughs> by virtue. You just adapt. That's what, that's what we have to do. It's going to adapt. We're, not, we're done blaming. Right. So let's just do it. And then, you know what, in November, we'll find out who blames who. No, because I think, yes, exactly. 77-year-old Joe Biden, if that's your answer, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump is going to be out there every day, and he's going to show you what the next four years are going to be like. And then America will know if uh, they believe the New York Times story blow by blow. Yes, or yes, not today. so true. Brian, last thing before we let you go. Um, your key... To success. And I like to say, and I said it at the beginning of the program before you came on, that I I like to say, if you want something done, give it to the busiest guy. I think that's where you fit in. You are on television. You are on radio. You're a New York Times bestselling author. You're doing all sorts of work. What's your key for those listening tonight to that, you know, they're in college, they're mid-career, and they're saying, hey, how do I become successful? What's, What's your key? That's a good question. I never jot it down because when I read these self-help books, I go, wow, I really got to work out what I think because these people are professional. If I, I'm, for me, number one, you got to be determined. Number two is you've you got to be uh, determined yet flexible. You got to listen. So, for example, it took me 12 years to get a job at Fox. Right. And I realized the minute I walked in at 33 years old, I knew how great the job was, but I only knew how great it was because I had so many other jobs that weren't close to it. Right. And yet I walked in, and there were some people who didn't understand what they had. 
I think I'd be good at recognizing uh, success and never take a day for granted. The minute you get complacent, the minute you say, well, I'm going to get another contractor, I'm going to, gonna hire me, I know I'm going to get a promotion, right. it never works out that way. And the one thing I've been good at is never taking anything for granted and, and just try to out-hustle the other person. That's my thing. I think you should be the least impressed with yourself. Right. But uh, and, and, and just whatever you do, I really don't work. I, I have a job, but I don't work because I would either be the most annoying deli guy right. who was reading on all his free time about politics, news, and history, right. or I get a chance to do it for a living, so I can't believe it. I just do in sports. I thought that was great, but I've always wanted to do news, and, um, and now I like sports again. I stopped liking sports when I did it. But now that I did news, I actually um, like it. You know, I like it more, like the politics more. So find something you really like. You've got to approach finding your passion as if you're looking for a job. Right. If you sit there and you go into Wall Street and you go every day and you go, wow, I was there two years and I hate it. No, you did not fail. You found out what you don't want to do. Right. And it might be when I might end up in law enforcement because you're helping people every day. You make less money, but you're satisfied. I mean, I've seen more people with jobs. The most satisfied people are not the richest people with the most prestigious jobs. They're people that are doing something they know makes a difference. And a lot of that's cops and firefighters. They're, to me, they're the most down-to-earth. They're the people I hang out with all the time. Right, uh, right. They're the most down-to-earth people because they know they're making a difference and they're doing what they want and they feel appreciated. Until recently, uh, cops used to feel appreciated. Yeah. So that, that, that would be my thing is I had no plan B. The other thing is don't have a fallback plan because, to me, cut the net out, go for it, and this way it forces you to make adjustments. Absolutely. Very sage advice. Brian Kilme, thank you so much. This really was an honor, and I appreciate your taking the time to come on the radio with us here in Houston. Uh, my honor, Doctor, and say uh, everybody stay safe and healthy. All right. Thank you, Brian. Stay well now. Happy Easter as well. Back at you. Yes. about that. All Happy right. Easter. Thank you now. Bye-bye. All right. Brian Kilmeade. Unbelievable. Great man. Great person. Next time I'm on Long Island, I'll have to look him up and have a cup of coffee and bagel with him. All right, Dr. Joe Galati, almost done for this Easter Sunday. Edward Lawrence, Fox Business, coming up talking about Wall Street and COVID. You don't want to miss this one either. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. everybody welcome back dr joe galati we're here every sunday between 7 and 8 p.m trying to bring you the best in health and wellness and similar to what we had a couple of weeks ago with jackie DeAngelis from fox business we now have edward lawrence calling in from dc edward what's the latest with wall street what can you tell us you know, the fears in Wall Street seem to have sort of gone away. What they're looking forward to is what the Federal Reserve chairman uh, said this week. He, he came out and said that the third quarter and fourth quarter will be a rebound. Now, the rebound, he says, depends upon if we all stay at home now and we all stay healthy now. 
because that's the sooner you open the, the economy, the sooner then you can uh, have a rebound in the, the economy. But we're seeing towards the end of the week and even uh, in the mid part of the week is that the markets really shifted and they are looking for that rebound. And they're also seeing that one, the federal government, the fiscal side and the monetary uh, policy side with the Federal Reserve are willing to do basically whatever is necessary to prop up this economy and get it to where it needs to go. Now, you know, everybody now I'm 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 a physician uh, and novice investor. I love to look at Wall Street and and study it. But everybody keeps saying that the good news is that the economy and the and and the stocks went down not because of a financial Wall Street type problem, but because of a darn virus. That's the frustrating part. It was a virus and not necessarily a major financial malfunction. Because you're exactly right. Going into this uh, shock, basically, to the system, which is a self-imposed shutdown. There was nothing fundamentally wrong. Back in 2008, there was the housing buzzle, bubble that burped, that, burped, that exploded, basically. And that pulled the economy down. This time, it's a self-imposed shutdown of the economy. So there was nothing wrong going in. In fact, our unemployment rate was under 4% for two years, for every month for two years going into this. Now it's, it's shot up a bit to 4.4%, and they're expecting it to go a little bit higher. But they do expect through some of these programs, specifically the payroll protection program, companies may, small businesses may be able to keep their employees on the payroll. We have to get the health part under control. All of this is predicated on if we can get the health side of this under control. Absolutely. Now, getting back to work, there are some out there that say this is the new norm. Uh, We're going to be staying at home and we're not going to be traveling. I mean, I find that just impossible to accept. And again, linked to financial recovery, we have the health recovery, but we have to open up this country. How important is that? And how, how keenly is Wall Street looking at that? Yeah, and to, uh, actually, I, I have heard at the end of the week, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said that you know, they're looking at May to start opening up sectors of right. this economy because some areas really aren't, uh, aren't as affected as other areas. Uh, but it is important to get this economy going again. And, and that is, you know, that, that is going to be the real sort of catalyst to see how good the rebound will be in the third quarter and fourth quarter for the end of the year going forward, uh, because you have to have that economic activity. Uh, you know, there is a fundamental shift that I am seeing. I think companies are realizing that some of their employees can be more productive at home, and then they don't have to pay the amount of office space right. that they're paying for. Um, so you will see some of that. But as far as travel, I think people are itching to get out. I, I am hearing a lot of people who really are, are begrudgingly canceling vacations, begrudgingly not going to visit their relatives in other states and other cities. Oh, I know at least uh, four or five weddings that have been Canceled. I mean, this is, um, uh, you know, you could say, look, your health is far more important than a big wedding reception, but it's every facet of life has been affected by this. 
Yeah, exactly. And on the flip side of that, uh, you know, unfortunately, there is a human death toll related to this, and and funerals are being done over FaceTime and and Zoom and some of those uh, social distancing because you cannot have these people together, uh, which is a very sad statement for this economy or for this statement right now or the way things are. But, uh, you know, I do see there is a light at the end of the tunnel. The economic fundamentals were very strong going into this. They're still there. Um, And so you're going to see, uh, with all of this stimulus now, uh, a a boost. The question is, when is that boost going to happen? And the Federal Reserve, when they take action, which this week they had $2.3 trillion, they're basically adding in loans to support the markets, that takes actually several months to cycle through. So what they're doing right now will boost the economy in midsummer to late summer. Right. Excellent. All right. Well, I would say the take home for this Sunday night is optimism. Wouldn't you say, Edward? Exactly. Exactly. Optimism for the future. Uh, Hopefully we get the health thing squared away and the economy will then rebound, according to the Federal Reserve Chairman. All right. Edward Lawrence with Fox Business. Thank you so much and stay well and keep washing your hands. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Always great to get a different perspective on this. Instead of all medical, we have to realize that this medical problem has created havoc in our lives besides making us sick and unfortunately people dying, but our jobs, our livelihood, our savings, tuition for kids' school is all in all being impacted in this. And this at the end of the day is going to impact on our own health and wellness. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. Brian Kilmeade, uh, especially for taking time on uh, this busy night to come on, and Edward Lawrence from Fox Business. I hope all of you are doing well. Stay safe. Happy Easter. Count your blessings. Let's stick together. We will get through this. And you know what? I'll see you next Sunday evening. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.